We are going to be beginning a new series, and this one may take us all the way up to Easter. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but uh, it's, it's going to be a good one. I, I would say buckle up because it might get a little intense, but praise the Lord for that. Anyways, uh, for this series in particular, I've really been just thinking for a while about uh, the present state of things as far as within the church as a whole, not speaking of this church in particular, but when I speak of the church, I mean Christian believers, okay? We make up the church. And so I've just been thinking as far as the present state of where things are at within the church, within Christians, but more in particular, where things are at with the heart of believers, okay? Where are people at as far as where their faith goes? What is the pulse of the church? Of Christians, what is our pulse? Do we even have a pulse? Okay, sometimes it seems like within our faith, we're walking around like we're just kind of there and we really don't have a heartbeat. No, no, no. Last week kind of just stirred me up a little bit. I think that Joe's message was very simplistic on how to share the gospel, but I think it gets to be so easily overlooked because sometimes our faith just gets, becomes common. It's just something that we do. Church is just something that we do. And I know, you know, pastoring and all that stuff is, you know, relatively new as a head pastor. But this is like, you know, something that we've been doing. Stacy and I have been doing. And so there's things like I have to remind myself to pray for the church. Okay. That sounds crazy. But yeah. So, oh, I got to make sure I'm praying for the church. Right. Because it just gets to be routine. And I think evangelizing and sharing our gospel and witnessing to people it just becomes so routine that a lot of times we just forget to do it. Am I the only one here or what? Okay, I think that you could relate to it. I, you know, when Joe was talking about make your love list, write down people that you want to commit to and pray about. And Stacy and I were up here and I'm struggling to make my love list. I'm struggling to think, do I know people who aren't born again, who aren't saved, who don't know Jesus? And I'm sitting there struggling making this list. Well, last night we're driving, we were going out to eat and I'm sitting there thinking, all these people that I know that I've worked with that don't know the Lord, and I'm writing down all these people, how in the world can I not remember them? Well, I think maybe it's just been so common in my faith and in my beliefs. This is what I do, but I forget the, the essentials of Christianity and sharing our faith. And that's why I liked last week's message so much, just the simplicity of the gospel and not making this thing so tough. Find, tell, bring. Find someone you love. Tell them what you know. Bring them with you. Bring them to church. Help them in their walk. And, and so I've been thinking about our present state as a church and what is our pulse and where are we at as individuals within the church? Are we on fire for the things of God? Are we pursuing God? Are we going after God? Are we willing to share the gospel like there is no tomorrow? Rest in peace, Apollo Creed. But anyways, like there is no tomorrow. Are we sharing the gospel to that, to that effect, because I know this, folks, listen. There is a time that is coming, and I do believe it is here now, where deception is having its way in the lives of believers. We have to protect our faith. We have to protect what we believe in. And I believe deception within the church is more prevalent than the teaching of the gospel's truth within the church. From the beginning, listen, from the beginning, the standard God set keeps being rewritten 
as a substitution for the truth based upon the lies that resemble the truth. And, and the reason why I'm going here is because it's kind of some serious stuff when you think about it. So let's take a look at this. I want, I want you to see what is written in the Word. So turn over to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And I'm going to read out of the New Living uh, this week. So if you have your electronic Bible, you can, you can go to the New Living on this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. This is not me saying this. Paul's writing this, and he's given, he's heeding, like, wants us to heed his instructions here. He says this in verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4, they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. They will chase after those things that sound good. They will settle more for a comfort of a motivational message on a Sunday to avoid the uncomfortable message that needs to come from time to time from the pulpit. And listen, folks, I'm not going to be up here and be a doom and gloom type preacher, but you know what? There are times for it. There are times for encouraging messages, and there is time for messages that need to put a, a boot in our behind, right? There are time for those messages, and we can't be individuals that continually go around looking for a message that just makes us comfortable, looking for a message that is only going to tell us what we need to hear, looking for something that is motivational. We can't be the type of Christian that only seeks after that as the Scripture talks about that we have itching ears, that we only want to go after the things that we believe that do not challenge us, that are outside of the word of God. Deception. And I believe within the church, deception is taking place because you see this regularly within some churches. It is just common. It is just common for people to go to a church and hear a rah, rah, rah every single Sunday and feel like I'm a feel-good type believer that I leave from church every single Sunday and I don't necessarily have any challenge to me to live up to God's standard that he has called us to live for. And so Paul is sitting here saying there will come a time and it is here now. It is here now. The time that he is speaking of it is here now where people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. And I'm, I'm in no way, listen, folks, I'm in no way painting a bleak picture of what is to come, but we are beginning to see a falling away where we have right now, like I said, there are more churches closing than there are churches opening. There are more people, less people actually in America that identify with Christianity than there ever has been. Christianity is a declining religion within America. So you see more and more people falling away from the faith than you see coming into the faith. And like I said, I'm not painting a bleak picture by any means, but it's something that we have to be aware of. And I don't say this to scare you. I say this to prepare you. I say this to encourage you to say that there is no better time than the present time to pay attention to the truth. To hold up the standard of God, a standard that God has set for us. He set the standard for us, and he set this for us so we would avoid falling away from his truth that will reign for eternity. Okay, God's truth is not just 
down here while we live on earth. His word is eternal. And so he set the standard for us to come to his level as opposed to us trying to take him down to our level. So as the scripture says in, in 2 Timothy, Paul is warning us of this fact. He goes on in 1 Timothy, we'll put it up on the screen because for the sake of time, I got some stuff to go over today. In 1 Timothy, he, he speaks this way as well too. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Or in other translations, it says their consciences have been seared by a hot iron. So he's saying their conscience of the truth has been dead. It has been seared. It is numb to the truth. Why? Because they've opened themselves up to listening to doctrines and untruth of devils. And when I say devils, I'm not talking about some witch and warlock type devil. No, untruths and teaching of devils are teachings that are contrary to the word of God. That's simply put what it is. And so people have opened themselves up to uh, teachings of the word of God and clearly they have fallen away from the truth faith because that's what happens when you pay attention and you're attentive to anything that is outside of God's truth. And what happens over time is your conscience becomes dead or seared. You will be numb to the truth. And so when correction comes, you dismiss it as the truth and no longer it can't influence you because your conscience is dead. You become numb to his leading, numb to his correction, and numb to the person that he has created you to be. They will follow, is what he's saying, they will follow deception of false teachings that come from the enemy and his cohorts. Deception, understanding this, folks, deception is the act of making someone believe something that is not true or hiding the truth from someone. When you deceive someone, it is not blatant. It is not obvious, right? Deception is to make you think that this is the truth when all the while you are being led astray. It is not apparent because it begins with something that appears attractive. Deception preys on your weakness to get you to move in the direction that the deceiver desires, desires you to go. It is a dangling carrot, so to speak, a dangling carrot that is used to exploit and manipulate you into doing something that is not in your best interest. The enemy will use deception of the truth to lure you into believing or doing something false or harmful by being presented with something that seems attractive or beneficial. I want to make you aware of something. Deception is a setup. It is a setup to get you from following the truth to then follow something untrue. And Paul is warning us of this fact. There will come a time when people will pay more attention to deceptive spirits of untruth and they will fall away from the true faith because they're paying more attention to what is untrue. It is a setup and it is not obvious and this is why we're talking about today. The enemy wants to deceive you into thinking that you would be better off in control of your life rather than submitting to God's will and giving him control. It's the illusion of living a life of pleasure where everything is in your hands, but in reality, it's a setup. It's a trick and it is a trap that will lead you to fall away. 
That is why I'm calling this series Trapped. Avoiding and overcome, overcoming the deception of our enemy. Is we need to learn as Christians how to recognize the deception and the traps of the enemy. We need to learn how to avoid the deceptions and the traps of the enemy. But the good news is this. We can overcome the deception and the trap of the enemy. That's why I want to encourage you. Like I said, this is not a, a bad type of message. This is not a discouraging message. This is an encouraging message. This series will be encouraging because we have been given authority over the enemy and his tools and his tactics and his tricks that he's trying to use against us to deceive us. And this is why we have to be alert. We have to stand guard. We have to be uh, aware of the things that he is trying to do to us. From the very beginning, the first time, listen folks, the first time the enemy comes on the scene, he sets a precedent on how he is going to attack mankind, how he's going to try and uh, deceive God's creation, how he's going to try and get you to fall away. He set the precedence of deception that he is using and will use until Jesus returns. So we can learn from that to see exactly how he's doing that. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, and hopefully you know the story. If not, Adam and Eve, we'll cover it later, but for the sake of time, we've got to go through. So Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Here comes Satan. The first time he's on the scene, the first time we read about him in the Bible, the very first time, three chapters into the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God has made. One day, it says this, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? God set the standard in the garden, okay? Understand that. God created the garden. He set the standard in the garden. He told Adam and Eve how to live in the garden, okay? So he put the standard out there. This is how you are to live in the garden, so the enemy comes in and goes to Eve and says this, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Why in the world did he say that? Because God's instruction was similar to this. So God set the standard. So now the enemy is coming in to change the standard. And he's going to try and change it without them knowing. He's going to try and deceive them. And so verse 2, it says this, of course we may eat. He's, Eve's responding, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So understand this. God told him specifically. Okay, he told him not to eat of what? The tree in the middle of the garden. The enemy comes in. The enemy says what? Didn't God say that you can eat of anything in the garden? So the enemy is twisting the things that God says just a little bit. It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar to Eve because he's taking what God has said and he's just tweaking it just a little bit. Just enough trying to get her to believe in the things that he's saying. And so he goes on to say, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So Eve comes back with what God has spoken. She knows it and the devil knows it as well. Now it's up to the enemy to change the narrative, right? To change how he's speaking to her. So he goes back to her and says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, 
God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Boom. The enemy comes in and flips the script. He changes it completely. The standard was changed that quickly. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, the woman was convinced. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. She wanted something that God freely offered her already. The enemy convinced her that she didn't have it and so she desired it. She desired something that she already had. She desired something that our, our God already freely gave her, but yet the enemy came in and tried to convince her and did convince her that you lack wisdom. And so therefore, she took the bait and she began to fall away from the truth of God. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. The only difference, folks, is this was she was deceived into thinking this wisdom is better than the wisdom that God has. This is something that she's thinking I get to control, that I can control myself, that I don't have to depend on God for. And so right here, you are looking at the enemy's intention from here on out. He wants to pull you away from God's ways of submitting to his will and lure you into his ways of controlling your will. And as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, Satan is the God of this world, and he wants to blind the eyes of those individuals who don't believe in God. He wants you to live a life with an appeal of thinking you have control, knowing that life is a life that leads to death. He wants you to get you on that side, living a life that leads to death. Come on, if you eat this fruit, you know you ain't going to die. That's exactly what happened when Eve ate the fruit. They died spiritually. The enemy wants to pull you from a position of God's ways of doing things, God's life of doing things, into a position of the enemy's ways of doing things that leads to death. Adam and Eve at that moment spiritually died. And this is exactly what will happen to us if we are not aware of the things that the enemy is trying to do to deceive us, to get us going in a direction that is contrary to the word of God, to the word of truth. I want to share this with you in John chapter 17. I'm going through a lot of scriptures. I understand this today. And Joe just messed me up last week because he brought handouts for everyone. And, and I told him, I said, Joe, listen, if you bring handouts, you're going to get me in trouble because people are going to want handouts. And then Gary came to me this morning and says, you know, people were asking about handouts. <laughs> I said, come on, man. <laughs> we'll just share. You could share handouts. Right? Ah, very good reason to listen to our podcast that was recently set up. Yeah, okay. 
Anyway, so Jesus prays this. I want you to pay attention. Jesus prays this in John chapter 17. Hang on there with me, guys. John chapter 17, verse 14, it says this. Jesus is praying to the Father. I have given them your word, and the world hates them. What is he speaking of the world? He's speaking of the world, the place that is contrary to the word of God, to the ways of God. So he says, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. He's sitting there saying, listen, folks, you're a Christian. You do not belong to the world, and that's why the world hates you. We operate operate on a different basis. We operate based upon God's ways of doing things. We operate based upon the kingdom of God as opposed to the world that is opposite from the kingdom of God, the world that Satan is the prince over, okay? So he's sitting there saying the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. And though he asks, he says this, I'm asking that you take them, I'm, I'm not asking you take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Like I said, we don't belong to the world any more than Jesus belonged to the world. He is sending us into the world. But then he prays to the Father that he would keep us safe from the evil one while we are in the world. Like I said, the world that he is speaking of is a world, is a system that wants to override and is contrary to God's ways. God's ways are based on his perfect character, his revealed will, his eternal purposes, his holy, his righteous living, his loving, his faithful, and his sovereignty. He commands us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. He desires us to walk in obedience, faith, and holiness, and to glorify him in everything that we do. This is God's ways. The world's ways or the enemy's ways are based upon human sinfulness, rebellion, ignorance. It's under the influence of the devil, who is the God of this age and the father of lies. The world follows its own lusts, its passions, desires, and rejects God's authority and the truth. The world values power, pleasure, wealth, fame, and self-interest and opposes God's people and his gospel. The world is headed for destruction and judgment unless it repents and believes in Jesus Christ, the only Savior and the judge. God wants us over here. The enemy wants us over here. The only way he's going to get us over here is to deceive us into thinking that we are lacking on this side of things. That's his intention, is to deceive you, is to trap you into believing that, you know what, you can have more over here than you have currently over here. God says, love the world. The world says, hate. God says, give. The world says, take. God says, life. The world says, death. They're completely contrary. They're completely opposite from one another. The enemy intends to bait us and bait us so that we can fall into the trap of the world. And if we fall into the trap of the world, we begin to accept and operate on everything that is contrary to the word of God. Are you guys doing okay out there today? All right, are you following me? I know this is a lot here. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. Take note of this. Make reference of this, okay? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I want you to pay attention to this. Stay alert. Okay? Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Yes, listen, folks. Our enemy 
aims to devour. Did you hear me? He aims to devour, and he is looking for that opportunity to do so. Sometimes I don't think that we understand what the word devour means. Sometimes it like, I don't know, we just gloss over things like this or we don't take them seriously. Some people may use the word devour. I think about some people may use the word devour when they're eating a meal or something. You devoured that meal or whatever, you know. That's not what I would say, but they say, dang, man, you straight tore up that meal. (laughs) So your enemy's goal, let me put it easier in my language, your enemy's goal is to straight tear you up. Okay? He is here to straight tear you up. That's simple translation of 1 Peter. Okay? He is here to destroy you. He is here to take you out. He is here to devour you. And he is not planned. But we have been tasked with the responsibility, and that responsibility is this. Stay alert. Stay alert. Stand firm and be strong in what? Listen to me. Interaction here. Be alert. Be alert. Stand firm. Be strong in our faith. That's our responsibility against the enemy because the enemy is walking around like a roaring lion looking for the opportunity to devour you, to take you out. And your responsibility is this, to stay alert, be on alert, be watchful, stand firm, be strong in your faith. The good news is this, folks. You do not have to be afraid of the enemy. And you should not be afraid of the enemy. Because you have been given authority and dominion over him, given to you by Jesus Christ. So you do not have to be afraid of the traps and the tricks and the deception that he puts out there for you. That's why he's saying, stay alert, be alert, stand strong, stand firm in your faith. Do not fall for his traps, do not fall for his tricks. Because when he tries to come in to take ground in your life, you have the ability to kick him out. You have the ability to put him out, to not entertain what he's trying to kick your way and throw your way. You have the ability to kick him out because he has no right to stake claim in your life. All you need to do is be aware of his devices and don't back down. Be strong in what you believe and do not bend. And listen, you have to determine this And you have to determine this right now, that you are no longer going to and will not allow him to come in your life and steal what belongs to you. You belong to God. Do you understand that? If you're born again, believer of Jesus Christ, you belong to God. And nobody, nobody should be able to take that relationship away from you. And when somebody comes to take that relationship away from you, you have to stand your ground and tell them you are not going to interfere in what belongs to me. Are you hearing me? You have to be uh, like a dog on a bone. You are not going to take this away from me. It is mine. And you're not going to come. Yes. Okay. And you're not going to come and take this away from me. Yesterday, um, Riley had a basketball game, and uh, if you got kids watching seven-year-olds play basketball, woo, okay. 
Like a lot of traveling, a lot of standing around, uh, braiding hair on the bench, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> but anyways, I'm trying to teach her like, she is so timid, bless her heart. She is so timid. Like she can dribble okay and she can shoot pretty good because I taught her how to shoot. And, but anyways, so this, her and this girl, the ball got passed to her and Riley had the ball and then, but she dropped it, the ball was loose. And instead of picking it up, she would just watch the other girl pick it up and just go down the court, you know? And I'm trying to like video this thing and thank God I'm not showing anyone the videos because I'm like, what is she doing? <laughs> you know? Go after the ball, Riley, go after the ball. And Stacy's over there yelling, Riley, what are you doing? And I'm like, Stacy, listen, just calm down, <laughs> calm down. It's just the game, it's just the game, okay. Yeah. But anyways, I'm yelling across the floor, Riley, protect the ball, protect the ball. Go after the ball, Riley, go after the ball. Why are you letting the girl take the ball from you, right? I'm just going on and on about this. So when she came to the sideline, I said to her, listen, sweetie, do you understand your job is to protect the ball, okay? This is your baby, this belongs to you and you need to protect it. If anyone tries to take it away from you, you have got to stop them. And if they do take it away from you, then you have to go back and get it from them. Are we understanding this? And I said, see that girl who stole the ball from you? She's the devil, okay? <laughs> She's the devil. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say it, I didn't say it like that. But now, listen, now that I think about it, that might work for next week, okay? It might work, it might work. But listen, folks, listen. You, you understand what I'm saying here, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Your life and the life that God has given to you is your baby. It is yours. It belongs to you. Okay, this is what God has given you. This is what, what God sent his son to give for you. And you have to protect it. And when someone comes and tries to take it away from you, and if they do take that away from you, you have to go get it back. Because it is yours. And it is your right to have it. It is your right to live in his kingdom and operate in full provision in life, right, without lack. That is your right. That is your privilege. But if someone takes that away from you and tries to say, uh, no, I'm sorry, you can't live like that. You have to come over here and you have to live like death. You have got to stand firm in your faith and stop it. You have to stop it. I refuse, listen folks, I refuse the enemy to take any place in my life. He will not come into my life, into my job, into my relationships. He is not going to come in and mess with my family. He will not have a foothold in this church whatsoever. And anytime he tries to come in to do something, and I recognize it, he's going to get a foot. Okay, because he is not going to come in and try and destroy the things that God has blessed me with and that God has given to me. And that's the attitude that you have to have. You have to stand firm. You have to be on guard. You have to live out your faith and protect it. You have to recognize the bait that he is using to set the trap to get you to walk right past it and give him the attention. You have got to recognize that. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, Humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourself. 
Resist. And when we resist, the only option the enemy has in your life is to what? Flee. To take off, to get out of here. That word flee in the, in the Greek, it talks about, it, it, the better description is to run away in terror, in fear. To seek a safe place, so to speak. So when the enemy tries to come against you in areas of your life, trying to tell you things that are contrary to the word of God, and you resist him, he has to flee and he has to go seek a safe place because a believer of God resisting the devil, standing firm on his faith, is not a safe place for him to be. Because the devil recognizes more than some of us do the authority that we have, and he knows that when we exercise that and we use the word of truth and we operate and function by this, it is not safe for him to be there. And so he runs and he takes off. When you humble yourself before God, when you resist him, he takes off. Because when you stand in your faith, it is not safe for the enemy to stick around. Satan has no power or authority of his own. Do we understand that? He has no power or authority of his own. He, he, you do not have to be afraid of him. You do not have to be afraid of him. He has no power or authority of his own. He only has what he has been able to deceive people into giving him. As a believer, it is essential to recognize the importance of being in the world, but not of it. When we resist the devil and stand strong against him, we must, we must remember that he doesn't have any power over us. All he is waiting for, listen to me, all he is waiting for is your permission and your cooperation to enable him. And give him the power and authority over your life that he desires to have. The only way the enemy can come into your life is if you give him permission to do so. That's the only way. And if he comes in and he uses something to try to trap you, if you don't do anything about it, you open the door to him and you just say, come on in, Mr. Devil. Have your way. Do what you need to do. The only way the enemy will have any opportunity to come against you is with your permission and cooperation. The scripture says that Satan walks around like a roaring lion. Understand this. He isn't a lion. He walks around like a lion. There is only one lion and that is Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan wants to mimic Jesus to help deceive you into thinking that he is a lion, that he has the authority, that he is the head of this thing, and trying to take your attention off of the true lion in Jesus Christ. He walks around pretending, and he is on the search for people to validate him and give him the pleasure of fearing him like he is a lion. He looks for people who allow sin, like lust, rebellion, strife, unforgiveness, and fear to control them. If we give in, we give him the power to hurt us, and it's important to know that he will take advantage of us every single time, and he lives for that opportunity but we are going to take a stand against it. The existence of deception, folks, in the church is no secret. The devil has been working tirelessly to sow seeds of confusion and lies, and he is aware that the return of Jesus is imminent. He understands that. It is essential that we remain vigilant and not fall prey to his cunning tactics. Let us stay alert and steadfast in our faith, for the truth shall ultimately prevail. 
The warning from the Holy Spirit is not meant to scare us, but to equip us. Equip us with the necessary knowledge to avoid falling into his trap. It's time, folks, to stand firmly on the truth of God's word, not wavering from its life-changing principles and spreading it to those around us. 1 John 2, verse 15, Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only cravings for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. The only way the enemies think, and the only way I can get you away from the truth is to trap you with the deception of the truth, to twist it just a little bit. You got to know this. A trap, folks, does not spring shut when there is nothing around it to catch. The only way you can get caught in a trap is by taking the bait that has been laid in the trap. What is the bait of the enemy's trap? What is a bait? What is the bait that the lays the enemy lays in the trap to try and get you to take the bait to deceive you, to get you operating and functioning on his level as opposed to God's level? He baits that trap with something, and that something is what we're going to talk about next week.